This episode of The Explainer is supported by daft.ie. Are you buying or selling a home? If it's for sale, it's on daft.ie, Ireland's number one property website. Welcome to the journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Laura Byrne, and this week, what is the American Bully XL and do bans on certain dog breeds work? Well, a type of dog has hit the headlines recently, the American XL Bully Dog. The controversial breed has been linked to a number of very serious attacks in the UK, prompting British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak to move to ban the breed there. These dogs look a little similar to a pit bull, but have often been crossbred with others like English and American Bulldogs. Campaigners pushing for the ban of the XL Bully say they're bred to be aggressive and imposing, and the damage they can do is immense. Those against the ban believe the issue isn't with the dogs themselves, but the owners and a lack of support for training of these breeds. Here at home, we don't have a banned dogs list, but rather a restricted breed list. Many say it's ineffective and that we should enact a ban of this breed here too. So today we're asking, is there any evidence that these bans are in any way effective? And is there anything to suggest that these certain breeds are inherently more aggressive? To look at all of this, I'm joined by dog behaviourist Nancy Creedon. Nancy, you're very welcome today. Thanks for joining us. No worries. Thanks for having me. So Nancy, firstly, for our listeners, how is a restricted breed defined? Uh, what categories must a dog breed be in to be classified as a restricted breed? So here in Ireland, we have a a number of different breeds that have been put on the restricted breed list. So it's any dog or mix of of the breed of the American Pit Bull Terrier, English Bull Terrier, Staffordshire Bull Terrier, Bull Mastiff, Doberman Pinscher, Rottweiler, German Shepherd, Rhodesian Ridgeback, Japanese Akita, Japanese Toza and Band Dog. So really, it's just a list of the, I guess, stereotypical breeds that are looked at when we try to point a finger of breed being responsible for aggression um, and then anything that's mixed with it, which again is somewhat controversial because when you're getting a mixed breed dog, quite often you've no idea of, of what DNA is in that dog. But that's what we have at the moment here in Ireland to keep us allegedly safe from any dangerous dog attacks. So if you're an owner of one of these dogs, what do you have to do differently to compare to others, let's say? So the restrictions basically are that if the dog's out in public, it must be on a lead, it must be under the control of someone over the age of 16, and it must be muzzled when it's in a public place. And one of the other restrictions on all breeds and all dogs is that they have to have a collar on with an ID tag with their name and address, which is a little bit strange too. Some people are uncomfortable with putting their addresses on their dog's collars, but hey ho, that's what we have. So we don't have any dogs really banned here, isn't that right? So they do have them banned though in Northern Ireland. So how is this monitored? So in Northern Ireland, it's going to have the same um, legislation as they have over in the UK. So they've got four banned breeds. So they've got the Pitbull, they've got the Japanese Toza, they've got the Doggo Argentino and the Fila Brasileiro. Um, Now, (laughs) how it's actually monitored and what's done about it is down to, I guess, their local dog wardens and everything will be different in different locations. So while there's a list of banned breeds, there's still a hell of a lot of different breeds on the band list um, that are pottering around Northern Ireland and the UK and Ireland. So if people are listening and they haven't come across these dogs, they might own a different breed themselves and they're hearing about these XL bully dogs. Really, they're likely to think, look, it's simple. This is a ferocious breed and it shouldn't be allowed. But what's the evidence here then, Nancy? What are studies showing us? Are these restricted breeds inherently more dangerous than other dogs? 
It's really, really, really tricky. As one of the authors of one of the the main studies that we've done over in Ireland, um, (laughs) even with my own study, I still don't have the answers. So I carried out research on dog bites from the victim's perspective um, back in 2015, 2016. And what my study found was what we did, we compared the bites of dogs on the restricted breed list versus dog bites of dogs, medium and large dogs on the non-restricted breed list or not restricted. Um, And what we found was that there was no statistic difference between the bites of the two groups for the medical treatment, for whether or not the dog bit again, for the reason of the bite, for the body part of the bite, for the details of the victim. Basically, there was no statistical difference between the bites of restricted breed dogs and non-restricted breed dogs, with the exception of a statistical difference in whether or not the bite was reported. And for me, that was groundbreaking. And, and the study was quite popular around the world because it was like, hang on a second, we're saying these dogs are more dangerous, but the data I'm looking at in front of me is not showing the dogs more dangerous, but the data in front of me is showing me that these dogs do get reported. And perhaps mainstream media has very little interest in the Labradors that bite the kids or the Collies that bite the kids. But when it's a German Shepherd or a Rottweiler, it's front page news. So how do we then square the circle in terms of what the evidence says, Nancy? If these restricted breeds of dogs are coming up in the stats around attacks more often or not, is it fair to think of them as dangerous then? How do we how do we approach it all? So do you know what? The most sensible way of approaching it all is let's get the data. Let's just start gathering the data and let's look at what the actual data is showing us. Because then if the data is showing us that all these beautifully raised XL bullies who went to puppy classes and were very well socialized are suddenly turning and then attacking people when there's no, I guess, justified reason for it in the dog's uh, mind from the dog point of view, then we can say, okay, yes, there is something abnormal with this breed. Or if we start to say, wow, 92% of dogs that were involved in serious dog attacks have been trained using prong collars and shock collars and choke chains. Then we can say, maybe that's the correlation. But until we have the data, we're so foolish to have knee-jerk reactions um, based on assumptions. And we all know what assumptions are. I mean, some experts are saying that restricted, restricting certain breeds provides a false sense of security really to the public in regards to the safety of other dogs. Then what responsibilities do dog owners have to make sure their dog, whether restricted or not, is well behaved and will not bite or attack others? I mean, especially if a dog owner who will be around children frequently, regardless of the breed, you should really be on the ball. Yeah, do you know what? Um, as a mum and as a dog owner and as a dog behaviour expert, it scares the bejesus out of me when I see um, the vast majority of pet dogs in family homes and how they're cared for. And what I mean by that is prior to studying dog behaviour, I was clueless. I thought I was an expert. I adored dogs. Every, you know, every year I wanted a dog. Every book I had was about dogs. Uh, but I was clueless. And all the information I was gathering back then was in hindsight, incorrect. So when I'm looking at the average dog owner with their cockapoos or with their Jack Russells or whatever breed you have, they think they know dogs, but until you study dog behavior, you actually don't. And with the best of intentions, you're doing what you think is the right thing to do. But you can be way off. I I dropped my son into nursery the other day and the nursery teacher lovely lady, a mum, sweet lady, came over to tell me how her friend's cockapoo was extremely dominant and extremely aggressive and was biting when things got taken off him. So I knew what to do. I showed him I was master. I grabbed him by the neck and I pinned him to the ground. And now he listens to me, but he's not listening to everyone else. And I just stood there saying, you're working in a child nursery. You know exactly how to care for children. 
Dogs are highly similar emotionally and cognitively to a three-year-old child. You literally just need to apply what you'd do to Tommy, who doesn't want to share his Lego, to what you'd do with that cockapoo. And you build his confidence. You eliminate the need for him to need to protect the items. And then you don't have any guarding behaviors. You do not grab little Tommy by the scruff of the neck and pin him to the floor. Um, and it was just such another eye-opening conversation because this is a lovely lady. She's just got the wrong information. And also when we're looking at... And, you know, smaller breeds and thinking that, oh, I'm going to get this breed so that my family is safe. One of the three fatalities we had in Ireland has been from a Dachshund mix. You know, one of the recent fatalities in the UK was a little Jack Russell. Another one was a little Patterdale. These are tiny little dogs. So size is irrelevant if the victim is small or vulnerable um, and situations can lead to dog bites. So if you're knowledgeable about the situations that could lead to dog bite and you're educated on what to do differently to minimize the risk of a bite, there we go. Way less risk of a bite. That's really interesting because I've heard some people say that when you look at the NXL bully, it's a little bit like comparing maybe a small dog. It's like looking at a bicycle versus an SUV. And the data doesn't bear that out then. Well, when we're looking at um, these big, strong dogs, we're also possibly looking at dogs who are owned by owners who want them to be big, scary owners. And you know what? One of the kind of controversial things that I've just about worked up the courage to put on social media is that maybe there is something wrong with them. Maybe there is something different. We don't know. We don't have the data. There is a new breed. They're very, very inbred. They're bred to be very strong, very muscly and very much deformed. So which will lead to underlying pain issues anyway. Um, and possibly there is something genetic going on. We don't know because we don't have their DNA. We don't have the data. We're not taking blood from these dogs that are involved in serious attacks. So without that, we're just um, flying in the wind. We don't know what we're doing. Um, but I would be very much open to exploring that possibly there is. Maybe the link is genes. Maybe it's not dog owners, but we don't know until we have the data. So removing everything we know about restricted dogs being involved or not in attacks, let's look at the breed itself because it is rather a new one. So what is the American Bully XL? Where did it come from? So it's basically a mixed breed. So back in, I think it was around 1990, they they began sort of registering American XL bullies in America. Uh, they've got the standard American bully, the pocket American bully, classic, and the XL. Um, so it can be up to around 60 kg, up to 50 centimeters in height. And it's a mix really between pit bulls, um, mastiffs, American bulldogs, English bulldogs. Now, when we create a breed to, to attempt to make, I guess, some standardization across the breed, there's going to be a hell of a lot of inbreeding. And with that inbreeding then as well, we have a very small gene pool. So when we have a small gene pool and there are any mutated genes or any abnormal genes, uh, it doesn't get bred out as much as you'd see in, like, let's just say, a Staffy or a Labrador, um, where there's more opportunity for selecting healthy dogs to breed from. Um, and again, when we have a small gene pool and when a number of the breeders of the XL Bully breed are looking to to give their customers what they're looking for which is breeding dogs that are more likely to be involved in aggressive incidences they're going to choose the toughest mum the toughest dad and breed them um so when we say that you can breed for tameness which which we do say then i almost think that we're I guess we're trying to trick people by saying you can't breed for aggression. There was an amazing study done in Russia um, with silver foxes, where basically they were breeding silver foxes for fur and 
the, the keepers inside in the center were constantly getting bitten and so on by the silver foxes as they put their hand into the cage. So what they started doing was the abnormally tame silver foxes. They chose to breed the abnormally tame silver fox with other abnormally tame silver fox. And literally within eight generations, they created a subspecies. They they changed color. They started barking. Um, they were extremely friendly little silver foxes. Um, and that's just in eight generations. So when we're looking at a breed that's been created over the last 25, 30 years, um, and we're looking at potentially a breed that people are choosing to have as, as almost as weapons or as dogs for defense and so on. Within 20 to 30 years, you can very much selectively breed for a more aggressive type of dog. And at the very least, because they look so imposing, whether they're gentle natured or not, and I'm sure many of them are, they look intimidating. So they've fulfilled their brief there. Exactly. And the thing is, there is there's thousands and thousands of XL bullies across the UK. And there's a very, 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 very small number of incidences of XL bullies being involved in fatalities. So that means the overwhelming majority of them are not going around to kill people. Um, so we don't need to be petrified of every big, strong dog we see on the streets. And myself, personally, when I am meeting big dogs or, or bully breed dogs, I make a special effort to have a nice social interaction with these dogs because they are going to start being conditioned to associate people with avoidance people with you know confrontation between my owner and and that person and so on so um all the bully breeds that I know uh have been lovely sweet dogs my first foster dog was a pit bull and he was the biggest baby that I've ever met however when the do- so I got onto the rescue centre, said I can take on a couple of dogs. They said we have a pit bull and a, and a German shepherd that aren't doing well at the kennels. I said perfect, send them over. Carried on with my day. Doorbell went, went to open the door, and literally the instant I opened the door and saw him, my blood went cold, and my subconscious brain was saying, "Don't look him in the eye." What looks like a monster at your door? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was saying, I was saying to myself, "Don't look him in the eye. Don't look him in the eye. Don't look him in the eye." I made eye contact with the lady and gingerly took the leads from her. And with all of my education and all of my knowledge, I had still been conditioned to think that this dog was going to go for my throat as soon as her back was turned. And he was, and he was the biggest sweetheart. And he ended up being sent over to Sweden and and lived out his days over there. But it's funny how even I can be conditioned to associate these breeds with, with negativity and so on. So I have learned myself, Nancy, as I own two little um, Shih Tzus and they look like teddy bears and they look totally harmless and I love them to bits and all of that. And I keep them on a lead. And there's someone who lives near me who has two pit bull types of dogs off a lead all the time. Now, I'm sure this man believes that his dogs are pussycats, but they absolutely terrify me when I see them. I have to cross the road just in case. But it's terrible. Then it's an indictment of those poor dogs that who could be entirely harmless. But as an owner, we have a duty of care. We should have them on the lead. Isn't that it? You should know what you're doing. Very much so. And the thing is, at the end of the day, the the unspoken rule with dogs is if you see other dogs approaching, they're on the lead, you put your dogs back on the lead. And that's just showing respect to the others. And if you can't quickly call your dog back, pop them on the lead and then release them again when the dogs are gone, then you don't have effective control over your dogs. And then you are somewhat bullying the other dog owners because you're saying I'm taking more of an entitlement to access to this area than you can have. Um, So it's a little bit rude in the dog world. But it is, it's very much 
conditioning like if you look back at the movies we watched growing up even things like in Beethoven it was the Doberman that were the aggressive dogs in the movie Up it's the Bulldog the Doberman and the Rottweiler that are the baddies and we're constantly being conditioned to assume just because these dogs look that way they are the big bad dogs Um, my own dog is a Rottweiler German Shepherd mix and he's just like he's just the softest dog he's a complete wimp really sweet dog brilliant with my kids Um, and the perfect example of one, a rescue dog, because we adopted him at about nine or 10 months. Um, but two, that if you treat your dog with kindness, you get kindness back. And if you're a big, strong man who wants a tough dog um, and you're going to overpower that dog to show him that you're the boss and I can control this big monster, then you're going to have a dog that possibly doesn't necessarily like you, doesn't necessarily like people. And if the opportunity arises to re- rebel against your bully and rebel against your oppressor, then maybe that's the link between these dogs turning on people, which is an abnormal behaviour for the species. It is a man-made species that we made to want to be with us, want to engage with us, want to work with us. They're turning on people. Is it something that people have done to them first? Daft.ie is the preferred site for anyone buying or selling a home in Ireland. Whether you're taking the first steps or planning your next move, make sure you're on daft.ie the best place to buy or sell your home in Ireland. So when we look at the attacks then in the UK, Nancy, and the reason they're hitting the headlines, can you outline a little of the details here in these attacks? Do you think they include, let's say, the complicated ingredients that we mentioned earlier? I mean, I can't talk about the ingredients too much because we don't get the published data. There's not a decent report put out there about the depth of the bite and about the trigger that caused and the training methods and so on. But what we're seeing in the UK is a hell of a lot of videos going around social media of what seem to be XL bully type dogs having fun attacking people. And that is the part that sends my blood cold because that is not normal in what we have created in creating a dog. Now, what I will say is every single dog will carry out what we call predatory behaviors in play. So they'll all chase the ball. That's a predatory behavior. They'll all grab the frisbee. That's a predatory behavior. They'll all shake their toys and they'll all dissect the squeak out of the toys. They're all doing predatory behavior. We just don't usually see them doing it towards people. And what we do see perhaps is chasing people, maybe nipping at the ankles, maybe more so down to your collies and and different styles of bites with different breeds. But the full-on dragging people to the floor, biting, continuing to bite, um is new. It really is new when we're looking at the data, the number of fatalities over the year. And it's really, really scary. So I can understand how the non-expert dog people out there can think, okay, a knee-jerk ban, let's get rid of them, then they can't do anything bad. Um, But like you were saying, we need the ingredients. We need to know what's actually leading to these attacks um, because it's not normal. It's really not normal to see our dogs turning on people like that and to have so much fun doing it. But what I will say on that point is arousal. Okay, arousal is when dogs become overstimulated. When dogs become overstimulated, they're no longer going to run on on behaviors based on logic, intelligence, learned behaviors. They're going to run on behaviors based on instinctual behaviors, reactive behaviors, and emotional behaviors. When dogs see things fleeing, it is an instinctual response to chase that thing. Um, different dogs will go down the line of different predatory behaviors insofar as some will grab bite, some won't grab bite, and so on. But when dogs become overstimulated, they're much more 
of a bite risk. That includes your little shih tzus, that includes your cockapoos, that includes every single breed. And one of the constant things I'm trying to tell parents especially is if the kids are hyper or the dog is hyper, we separate them. It's where people say the dog bit out of the blue, everyone was having a lovely time, then the dog bit. It's not. The dog is no longer thinking straight. Its threat interpretation is reduced. Its motor control is inhibited. And it's going to do a lot more instinctual behaviors unlike what your dog has learned to do in the past. So hyper dogs pose more of a risk to all of us. So for now, it looks like the XL bully is going to be banned in the UK. What does this mean and what is the UK government proposing? We don't even know yet, really, to be honest, because they came out saying we're going to ban the breed and the breed will be banned by the end of the year. However, all the owners of these breeds are saying, well, what does that mean for my dog? Is my dog going to be euthanized? Is my dog going to be seized? Um, At the moment, they have um, other banned breeds. And with the pit bull, because there's no specific breed standard for the pit bull, what they do is they go by measurements, which is very bizarre, but basically the the width of the muzzle and the length of the head and so on. So uh, someone will come out literally with a measuring tape, measure your dog and your dog could be a Labrador Staffy mix and fits the measurements, it gets seized. Um, at the minute, it can take about six months for that to go through the court system before you can get a hearing to either say, my dog isn't a, a pit bull type or my dog's temperament is, is sound and he's been assessed and so on and so forth. It'll probably be similar with the XL bullies. However, if you're saying we're going to put what up to nearly 100,000 dogs through the system, where are these dogs going to go? How long is that going to take for any court cases? It's it's just not practical. So we're waiting to hear, one, how they're going to classify these breeds, and two, what the restrictions are going to be or what the process is going to be. Um, and I think it's... So it's not a case that these dogs that are seized will be euthanized as such that the, the owner then has to go and advocate and find a reason for, the, for this not to happen. That's the most likely procedure. That's what they do at the minute with pit bull types and so on. Um, but like I said, I don't know when if, if there's that many of them out there, perhaps they would say a blanket euthanasia, which, like I said, this like the vast majority of these dogs aren't hurting people, aren't killing people, aren't attacking people. They just look scary. Um so we need to wait and see what the outcome is going to be. But I'm just a little bit nervous about what Ireland's going to do next, because obviously that's where I feel my most responsibility in trying to minimise dog bites and represent the dogs, but also represent the science and also represent parents um, and keeping everyone safe and, and, and feeling safe too. One of the biggest suggestions that I would love to see is the introduction of a mandatory theory test prior to obtaining a dog licence. And while there's pushback against it, all of us who do our provisional theory test and study that little book, we learn a lot about how the roads work and, and, and how driving safety is to be implemented and so on. So a blanket um, educational website that will give you information on choosing the right puppy, how to avoid puppy farms, how to ensure that you're using the right training methods, and then heavily focusing on dog bite prevention, how to ensure your dog is friendly, how to avoid situations where your dog is likely to bite, what to do if your dog does bite, and giving that blanket education to all dog owners in Ireland, I strongly believe would massively reduce the number of serious dog attacks, the number of in like unserious dog attacks, the smaller ones that happen in the homes that lead to kids being frightened of dogs, no major damage, but now I'm scared of dogs. All these family dogs who are out there whose owners have been given the wrong advice or, or watched the wrong TV show, um, by giving them the right advice on behalf of the government, I think we'd just see a massive change in, in in how dogs are cared for, dogs' welfare, and also a massive reduction in the number of dog bites. And there will be people who will say, I'm not doing the test. That's all that's going to happen. But if we can educate the masses, we're going to change the world. 
And why do we hear calls then to ban dogs that are labelled dangerous, but really we're not hearing enough about the poor dogs who are suffering as a result of all this awful breeding? You know, you mentioned the width of the shoulders and we've heard about other breeds that have breathing difficulties, that kind of thing. And nobody's really monitoring the breeding side of things. No, nobody monitoring the breeding. That's the first place to start because, first of all, it would be a beautiful thing to see dogs having to be temperament tested before they can be bred from. It's never going to happen. It's not practical. There's not enough resources out there, but it would be a simple way to stop aggressive dogs being bred from. Um, these health problems are just out of control and there's a massive, massive, massive link between pain and aggression. There isn't people, do you know what I mean? And there very much isn't dogs. And then, like you mentioned, the breathing issues, these XL bullies will have significant breathing problems they do have shorter muzzles they do have small nasal passages and what happens again when we're talking about arousal and the dog's adrenaline spiking and suddenly the dog becomes wound up they're going to increase their heart rate increase their respiration a lot of the time we see in brachiospelic dogs the flat-faced dogs they somewhat panic when they become overexcited and we do see an increase in like reactive behaviors or snarling at their owners or, or or feeling defensive because suddenly I'm excited but wait a second I can't breathe I'm going to start panicking I'm going to assume everything's a threat to me so there is a big link in in breeding abnormal dogs and and dogs that aren't built for survival uh, with aggression and with pain then as well so Oh, there's so many different angles we need to tackle um, and banning breeds isn't the straightforward answer at all. So we probably are at an interesting juncture here in Ireland in that we haven't got this, um, let's say, media frenzy around this breed as yet. So we might have a chance to do things correctly. So if government were to listen to you today and indeed dog owners and dog advocates, where should we start? Is it a case of start with breeding, legislate, Stop talking about banning for now. Get into the education mode first. Yeah, I think there's three, I have three strong recommendations that as a behaviour expert, I really confidently do believe that they would have a significant positive impact on dog bite prevention. Um, And the first thing is I would love to see that this already agreed um, introduction of additional dog wardens and investment in training be churned into some sort of dog bite prevention association or dog safety organisation, something like that, where there's at least one um, member of the organisation in each local authority that is then responsible for investigating dog bites, investigating reported aggressive dogs and using the data that they can gather to then feed back into a central database, have the report released each year, have a dog bite prevention week, find out what happened last year in the world of dog bites. Then we need to channel that data into appropriate dog bite prevention education and legislation. We need people to understand that if you pin a dog down when it's feeling defensive, it's going to increase its probability of biting. Uh, And then thirdly, I really strongly believe that all dog owners, regardless of what breed they have need to be knowledgeable on dogs and hands up I didn't have a clue about dog behavior until I started studying the right information so introducing a mandatory theory test prior to getting a dog license I believe would give all of the Irish dog owners a blanket correct understanding of dog behavior dog bite prevention responsible dog ownership avoiding puppy farms avoiding incorrect training methods and then once we're all educated knowledgeable gathering data then we look at changing the legislation, but not until we know what's going on and we know that education is already in place. And then we can see what's actually, where do we need to introduce the legislation? Because the data will lead us to that answer. Finally, Nancy, what advice would you have then for potential owners of restricted breeds like that? You mentioned when your adopted dog arrived at the door and your blood ran cold. Are there other considerations for people when they want to look after these breeds? 
I think that in general, people who adopt um, restricted breed dogs are doing so because they're good people. And <laughs> that's a blanket statement. But usually people who adopt dogs and rescue dogs are the good side of, of dog owners. So usually they're quite responsible anyway. What I would say is you're going to get inundated with people throwing dirty looks and saying that dog's dangerous. Don't let that get under your skin. This is your opportunity to raise a lovely, friendly, family-friendly dog that can be an exemplary representation of the breed. Then obviously you need to be responsible. You need to understand that some people are afraid of these dogs. Don't be mad at them. Respect their feelings. Dogs on a lead. Dogs muzzled when out in public. Follow the legislation. Also, stop putting your dog in triggering situations to prove how tolerant your dog is. I am sick to my back teeth of seeing XL bullies with kids draped all over them or XL bullies thrown into dog parks to show how well my dog can cope. We don't need to do that. You don't need to to put them into situations to prove they could stand it because there may be a day that they're not feeling great. It's not the right day for them. Um, and then, yeah, following the legislation and make sure that you're using only positive based training methods. There is a massive link to using punishment based training and an increase in the aggression. That's the data worldwide. We don't hit our kids anymore. We don't need to use choke chains, prong collars. Just because you have a big, strong dog, you can train it just as easy and a much better bond with that dog by choosing the right positive based training methods because we want these dogs to love people. Yeah, we really just do, oh man's best friend, a better approach, don't we, than this. Um, I think many people would agree that education, as you say, is the place to start here. Thank you so much, Nancy, for joining us today and explaining all of that for us. No worries. Thanks a million. This episode of The Explainer was supported by daft.ie. With the largest number of properties for sale in Ireland and being the number one preferred site among buyers and sellers, daft.ie is the best place to buy or sell your home. Thanks again to dog behaviourist Nancy Creeden for joining us today. You've been listening to the Explainer podcast by thejournal.ie. This episode was brought to you by producer and editor Marisha Kairoul and executive producer Sinead O'Carroll. If you'd like to support all the work we do here, head to thejournal.ie forward slash contribute to make a one-off donation or become a monthly subscriber. And of course, you can always leave a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.